My conversation today on Behind the Act is with Matt Fox. He's a songwriter and producer in Nashville, Tennessee. And today we're talking about the vulnerability of collaborative music making and how we personally define success and why we both are advocates of having hobbies outside of the main thing that you do. I'm Seth Schaefer. This is Behind the Act with Matt Fox. Well, so we just moved here. We got here in January, uh, moved down from Minneapolis area. Historically, I've been a songwriter, done a lot of engineering, that sort of thing, played on a bunch of records. My kids were grown and gone. I'm from the South, always wanted to get back. I hate the Minnesota winters. Otherwise, Twin Cities is a great place to live. We decided to move back to the South. Um, there are a million guys here who do the stuff I do as well or better. Um, but the opportunities are there. You know, there's a million people down here to collaborate with. Yeah. Which is kind of my favorite thing to do. When it comes to creating music together, somehow my ego, which is strong, falls to the floor. It has no, when it comes to a piece of music, I don't care. Does this work? No, it just doesn't work. Let's try this now. Did that work? That's pretty good, but I could use some tweaks. Um, and that was a, an old buddy of mine in Minnesota, um, very good engineer, songwriter, Steve Peterson. We were in a band together called Whiskey Monday. We have been working together on and off in the studios before we were in a band together for over 20 years now until I moved. And uh, that was always kind of our our thing was I was the guitar player. He was the engineer or the mandolin player or steel player, whatever it was I was doing in his studio at the time for sessions or something. Um, being able to say, hey, Matt, what if you try so-and-so? Sure, let's do it. You know, to me, that's the exciting thing is seeing how we can both make a piece of music fit what we're trying to say. So, what, what are your favorite genres? Like, what do you mainly play in? By the way, I hate that question when I get asked it. I'm like, I don't yeah. know anything that sounds fun. The what I'm playing at the time, I guess, is the answer. Um, I've done everything from back in a comedian playing rockabilly to playing behind belly dancers to Irish Kayleys to, and it's all fun. I kind of come from the Americana, Americana songwriter camp sort of thing. So to me, that roots stuff is really fun. Figured out how a slide part might work with a lyric or how, you know, guitar fills might work. Or if there's mandolin, is this mandolin more of a texture thing that you can't really point to? Or is it a, you know, probably that expressive Americana type thing. Cool. You know? What? Because um, lyrics, I'm really lyrics driven too. So that's super exciting to me. It's because that tends to be the lyrics I'm drawn to as more of a storyteller type. Yeah. Cool. I grew up, I'm, I'm originally from Georgia and I grew up in Texas and was exposed to a lot of great songwriters. My parents were very into the songwriters of the 70s. You know, the, the outlaw country guys, the Texas guys, the even the great story people like Harry Chapin and, you know, stuff like we'd go we'd go see all these people in concert. And um, so the Towns Van Zants and Guy Clarks of the world really kind of shaped my writing style. Sort of narrative, takes a story song, you know, but then like John Prine. Saw John Prine when I was five years old, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. And that shapes, that shapes a guy. Yeah. Um, so songwriting was a lot of fun and my shows would be a large percentage of just my my stuff solo 
But then my playing had to change to fit that too. Am I bringing out parts of the melody with my playing? I have to be doing a bass line at the same time. You know, it has to be interesting because I don't want to just strum some minor chords and sing my diary. You know, um, I wanted it to be a, a, a piece, you know, a composition. So I would do that. But then I would revert to doing some old school blues finger style and slide stuff on a resonator too because I just have to. That's cool. You know. Yeah. Um, the writing may not be as um, intellectually lofty maybe, but there's just such a power to that music. I recently started taking lessons from a guy on how to write lyrics because mm -hmm. it's never been something that was in, like inherently practiced or even I, I have a hard time hearing what words are being sung anyway with most types of music. So gotcha. it's, it's been an elusive thing, although I'm not bad with words. I just didn't know what rules everybody is supposed to play along. And obviously there aren't rules that, you know, but they're general ideas. But what you just sure. said makes me feel like, um, you know, the lofty thought versus the just communicative thought. Like it, it, like it seems to me like good songs, they can be profound, but all they're often a little bit too clever. Like it does, like it doesn't help mm -hmm. communicate to people instead instead of just saying something that moves people. You know, right? I don't know. Obviously, every genre has more acceptance of how the meaning you know is fleeting. I guess, but. How deep does it need to be to make yeah. this? If this music is just pumping and that's what it's in, yeah, that's what it's intended to do, you know, the lyric is not carrying the weight, you know. Yeah. But if you've got a John Prine out there, you know, and he wrote some silly, silly stuff, you know, big old goofy world, things like that. But he gets to write that because he wrote Sam Stone. Right. You know, yeah. he wrote some of that, any of that, any single song off his first record <laughs> gave him carte blanche to write anything he wanted for the rest of his life. It's that good. Um, and you've got modern guys like Jason Isbell, who, of whom I'm a huge fan. Um, but I think from a songwriting education standpoint, which I actually used to teach songwriting at the West Bank School of Music, one of the biggest things that I always had to come back to, the, the key word is economy. You know, and again, it's why I keep coming back to John Prine and people like that, because he could say three words that made you understand an entire concept. You know what I mean? His economy, his use of a one symbol to mean um, a concept was profound. You know, uh, La Lovett is actually really good at that too. Right. He wrote a song called, I think it's just called The Fat Girl. It's two verses and no chorus, and you understand everything about her life. I don't know how he did it, but it's perfect. You know, um, right. I'd recite it, but you know, copyright. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, it'd be memory of it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, it's two verses, no chorus. I got that. One. There you go. So, there you yeah. go. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the economy is is really the the key. And I tended to write more from a narrative standpoint, where it was only later in life on something like my last record was in seventeen. I haven't done a record. I haven't written anything in years. But um, I started maybe. If you look at the lyrics in a linear sense, it, they don't make sense. You know, like if you pick out pieces, you're like, how does that apply? But hopefully the feeling of the feeling and the intent of the track is achieved. I don't know. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Uh, a little less obviously narrative and a little more symbolic. So, right. But I think that's just an evolution. Yeah. So I think I've 
always written more that way and not in a way that allows a song to be literally read and sounds like I'm talking to you. Sure. And that has been a fun practice, I guess, yeah. for me. I, I don't know that I have specific goals to be a lyricist. I just want to get better at it. For and, sure. And that's fun. Me too. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, just like everything in here, you know, it's like got a great space and it feels really fun in here and it feels comfortable, but I'm not an expert at any of it. So, um, you know, that's the, the beauty is that I want to have a, yeah. I want to have a place that people can come in and we can just have fun together learning and, uh, for sure. And I think if on any of the things in this room, any of the creative pursuits, if you, if you hit the finish line, we'll quit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, that's, I think that's the only reason I've stuck with music for as long as I have my, my entire life. I've had jobs come and go. I've had relationships come and go. But I've never really followed through on a ton of stuff. But music I've stuck with and continued to work at for 40 years because there's every every peak you achieve, you see another big, beautiful one in front of you. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And it's just, and it's not, it is daunting, but the call is greater than the fear. If I needed your help, what what experience do you have, you know, like sure. in, in that process? Clearly a lot. On the, on but, the musician yeah. side, I've done a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah, everything yeah. from building yeah. guitars at Callings and mandolins out of Weber mandolins and yeah. to, yeah. Everything between building the instrument and mastering, I've done at some point. But um, as you mentioned a minute ago, you know, jack of all trades, master of none maybe, but but I'm pretty good at some of them. Started out as a player, um, was not a good writer. I had moved up to the Black Hills in my early 20s in South Dakota. Met a couple of good writers up there, Tom Willock and Sean Bitts. And um, I think... If it really comes down to it, I may be a better editor than creator, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's but great. I've, I've created some stuff I'm really proud of. Yeah. But editing, I'm probably better at, and that applies to music as well. I can take your basic song and help you develop it into something else. Cool. Um, but yeah, so I did a lot of that and ended up producing a record for a guy in the mid-90s, great guitar player, and my idea of producing at the time was helping, you know, choose what songs and how are we going to, you know, sequence it and things like that, because I was not an engineer at all. But it gave me some insight into how that process worked. I didn't have much studio experience. Did a couple of records with the guys I mentioned before. Um, Then ended up writing a lot more. Spent years touring around Scandinavia and the United Kingdom and Ireland and just having a ball. I would do like a month a month in the UK and Ireland and a month in Scandinavia and um, just a blast. Had a great time. Um, I have some dear friends that I miss terribly over there and always had some great shows. Started working a lot more in the studio and started getting into like, you know, a few little home recording things with crappy gear and mm-hmm. um, yeah. Then eventually upped my game, worked with some great engineers um, and just learned a lot. So then I started mixing for people and then I started recording people and I started doing a lot more. I've been doing session work off and on since the nineties, but started doing a lot more session work and yeah. That's cool. But so it's just been a variety of stuff. You mentioned the songwriting aspect, uh, teaching that. And I thought, I think when we talked to Vintage King the other day, it was, you, you also had some other, something else that you taught at this. Oh, I taught a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I've taught guitar on and off since the nineties. Okay. I've done a lot of mandolin teaching, things like that. Um, I've taught workshops for, um, well, he's just actually passed this past year, Woody Mann, who used to run international guitar seminars. I would go out and teach at his place in, um, Manhattan. Taught in London, mainly guitar stuff. But then, um, for the West Bank School of Music, I taught guitar and that was in Minneapolis. Um, kind of a legendary place that had been there since I was born, you know, but, uh, guitar, mandolin, and then songwriting, we would do like, um, you know, eight week sessions where we would work with different people on, you know, coming up with ideas, bringing those ideas to fruition, coming up with a story, economizing that story, trying to put some music to it, that sort of thing. And, um, thoroughly enjoyable. Nothing helps you understand your process better than teaching it. Right. So I know this helped me with film and video stuff like crazy. It's like, wait, how do I put this into real words? (laughs) Right. As a guitar player, there's stuff I didn't know I was doing until I was teaching it. And then I was like, oh yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. But that's how I'm getting that sound. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Here are the rules you break. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's actually a big, big thing I've told many, many people when it comes to things like music theory. I think it's hugely, hugely important for people to know it. Yeah. Not so much. My my theory is that music theory is descriptive, not prescriptive. Um, by which I mean, don't let it define what you're able to do. Break every rule in the book, but know how to tell me the rules you broke so we can play together. That's all I care about. You know what I mean? Break all the rules. I love the way you just said that. But let's make music. So yeah, in that in theory is the language with which the the language we'll use to figure out what rules we broke. That's all I'm concerned about with that stuff. But I think it's a huge help to know it. What makes people successful in anything that they do? I'm asking because you've 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 toured, you've done an engineer, you've sold motorcycles, you've you know. <laughs> it depends on your definition of success. Well, what's your definition of success? Let's start there. As a musician, I never cared that much about getting, you know, money. You know, I mean, I, I like it. It's fun. It's great. Unless I'm able to get more stuff, yeah. you know, more music, gear, whatever. Yeah. My definition of success was being able to continue to do it without worrying all the time. Right. That's all I really wanted to achieve. You know, because it's not something from which you're going to retire necessarily. Right. You know, certainly not if you're Willie Nelson. You know, <laughs> so. Right. Um, I would just love to be in a position where I could just keep doing it and not really think about too much else. You know, do I, would I love to have money in the bank to pass on to my kids? That'd be awesome. It's not my goal. That's not my definition of success, though. Um, and for the time that I was able to continue doing it, that felt successful. You know, when I'm driving myself across rural Scotland, going to the next gig, yep, made it. Because that's the definition of made it for me. I'm doing what I want to do and I'm getting paid to do it. Right. You know what I mean? I want to reiterate that I was driving myself. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's not like I have, it wasn't fancy. Right. But I got to keep doing gigs, man. But So if you can identify in other people what you've seen them do to to get to the state that you're talking of success? Like what characteristics do you think are most valuable? 
persistence, just persistence. Um, in any artistic endeavor, no is way more common than yes. You know what I mean? It just That's just how it is. Yeah. When I was booking tours, because I booked all my own tours, you know, I'd get a fair amount of no's, you know, no thanks or no response. Yeah. You know, um, okay, Yeah. move on. I guess I don't want it to be like cliche aphorisms, but I think working on things that are part of your philosophy, I can tell you're a humble person, you know, I mean, or at least you present yourself well as being a humble person. <laughs> Everybody stare at me, but I don't deserve to be here. Yeah. Is that... <laughs> Yes. Is that I, and so, okay, that's interesting. And it may come across as humility, so thanks. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I, I think there's an interesting uh, component of, this is not for me to falsely imply my own humility at all. I have been apologetic and fearful of putting myself out there forever. Sure. And I, I kind of don't want to go overperform because I don't want the attention on myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now I'm recording myself with video cameras, which honestly feels awkward. I would imagine. Um, but the reality is, is that, that, you know, us sharing who we really are matters. Yeah. For, for people, not just a, a pretend little package that we put together and drop out on social media, but instead having a grasp of yeah the nuance. Honestly, I mean, this is probably going to take a different turn than you intended, but that's one of the things I've always liked about creating music collaboratively is because if you and I meet each other for the first time in a non-musical setting, it's what's your name, where are you from, what do you do? We go through all these layers of intimacy um, and the, there's a lot of shallow before we get anything that matters. But if you and I are putting a musical situation together um, where, we're, where we have to create and come up with something, we're putting everything that shaped who we are fundamentally on the table right now through our playing. Yeah. It's a different, it's a little less fearful than the conversation about my intimacies and things like that. But, uh, but I think it's such a fascinating thing in the world we live in, in the, in the world of art in general, you know, because I'm putting it all out there right now, you know, something yeah. I wouldn't tell you if I didn't know you, but I'm right. going to play it for you or I'm going to sing it to you. You know what I mean? And maybe explicitly. I mean, if you look at, listen to some of the stuff people put out there in their songs, I don't know you. I shouldn't know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but that's art. Right. That's yeah. very vulnerable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've, uh, here's an interesting note that I realized is that I became a relatively competent filmmaker mm -hmm. because I wasn't supposed to be good at it. But when I was a kid, I was supposed to, I've always supposed to be a good piano player. Gotcha. So my identity in some form or fashion was wrapped up in what others always affirmed me about being able to play piano well as a kid, well enough that it was notable. And they were like, hey, play a song, you know, like do the dance, you know, like, and um, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I realized that I've hidden from that forever and so like now i'm oh i need to engage with and play music because i always do i always do it's just never recorded you know i'm sure like there's this thing that i need to get out but the filmmaking like what do i have to apologize about i'm not supposed to be good so it failed a lot right at the beginning can't get a free class maybe 
Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And then you know, but then I think about it and like, or at least some grace, right? Yeah. And the, but the yeah. lyrics side, perfect example. Why should I be good at lyrics? <laughs> I I had piano lessons when I was a kid. Right. Right. I mean, I'm not a lyricist, so getting lyrics lessons made a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with vocals. I learned to play piano as a kid. I'm not supposed to know how to breathe. Right. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, until I go do that. And some sure. people, you know, it's intuitive to some people or uh, mixing and engineering, same kind of a thing. Well, I think some of us learn it all out of necessity. Yeah. You know, I have a, I have a goal that might be either tangential or at least parallel to the thing that I am okay at. Yeah. You know, and I have this goal that includes that other thing. So I got to at least fake it. And then that faking it becomes a job. You know, so totally, which is what I did with video. I mean, we had a the recording studio uh, that had art that needed to be created for people that we were recording for sure. that turned into video. And I fell in love with video really fast. It was like, it was a really capable art form, mm-hmm. but, um, but I wasn't supposed to be good at it. So I grew more quickly. Whereas with music, I've just suppressed my music and uh because i've been apologetic about it because i'm supposed to be good already so what if what i release isn't good yeah now i'm like i'm getting too old for this i should probably there are at least that's some standards you think are being imposed exactly which may not be and it's self-imposed people probably. may just enjoy hearing your plan exactly. it doesn't matter if it's good exactly so yeah. yeah and the people that don't they can just turn it off and go to something else that's fine too i don't <laughs> right. care like and absolutely let's create music create stuff that moves us right. and hope that that moves other people. Sure. You know, but we can't control that second part. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of why I quit. Um, I came out with a record in 2017, which I thought was some of my most ambitious and best writing I had done. It was a full band. Normally it would either be a small acoustic band or a solo thing or whatever. Full band, electric guitars, a lot of slide. Oddly enough, I only played one guitar solo on the whole record, which is a few bars. I played slide or lap steel for the rest of them for some reason. Um, had a release party, loved it. Went on tour, uh, loved it. But venues were closing down and things like that. I was noted, you know, a lot was changing. And the record sold mm, dozens of copies. All, all does it. All does it. Yes, yeah. Good. I think that really, in that situation, but some of that is the way people are consuming art currently. Very short attention span. Who has a CD player? You know, I didn't foresee this, and I made, you know, however many of them. I didn't see the writing on the wall in terms of where this is going. Stay online, sell it as singles, whatever, whatever the current strategy is. I took, you know, talking about how people accept it and perceive it. I put so much of my value on that, how it was received or what the response was. And given that there wasn't much of one, I was done. I quit writing, you know, and then COVID hit and basically turned me into a hermit. Um, only you're the only person I've heard. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just, I don't really. The goals we talked about, meeting with people, working with people, playing music with people, those are all true. The hurdle is much taller than it used to be, to get into that. 
So I've been making myself like you and I met at the event at Vintage King. I've been making myself go to these things, you know, just to try to say hi to somebody that's not my wife, which I think she likes because she's probably getting tired of me at this point. Especially if that's all you say. Right, right. Yeah, mostly nothing else, really. It's been a it's been a real challenge having kind of the music. My expectations of the response be so different from what the reality was. Somewhat based on maybe overvaluing the music, I don't know. But certainly based on the industry's business model, I failed to uh, perceive that accurately. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah. It sounds like the industry has too, right? Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I was seeing, like I said, I'd, I'd be in, there's this great little club in Wales that I thoroughly enjoyed playing at. Another one on the Isle of Wight. Really nice people run that. Um one of them wasn't doing any shows anymore. They just sh shut down performance. One of them was doing only people who were local because they knew they could bring in friends and family because nobody was coming to venues for um, music they didn't know anymore. Where historically over there, uh, people would come to a show not knowing who you were because they know this place tends to have good people. Right. You know what I mean? That was yeah. just the culture. And that was changing so much that I, touring got less fun you know it's uh, brutal yeah and i would do if i had if i was gone for 32 days that would be 30 dates you know i would take two days off for laundry you know that's about yeah. it yeah so that's yeah. incredible yeah a lot of work but people used to say don't you get tired of it and i'd say i get tired but not tired of it it's exhausting yeah i love being on the road i don't know that i would now i'm in my 50s you know yeah. I might, but I thoroughly enjoyed being on the road. Right. Yeah, it changed a lot when, at least for me, um, having kids and having, like, wanting to be around the family, but then sure. finding myself states away. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, constantly. That's been... That's tricky. Yeah, it's been a, a difficult disconnect for me, and that a lot of it's on the film side, too. So, mm -hmm. um so I have to be careful about how many projects I take. For sure. I know what I would be when my kids were little. Um, I remember my first European tour, I was gone for a month away from my ki three kids at home, all small. I didn't know what to do with myself. That was so tough. You know, but you get there. And now my kids are grown and out of college and wonderful, responsible adults in their own right. So yeah, I can do what I want. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's why we moved here. A little bit more free. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. That's we cool. still talk all the time. You know, two of them have already been down to visit since we moved here. So that's amazing. Yeah, I guess that, that brings up another question or thought. Um, and I guess I'll start with more of a statement from my end. But I have been working hard to figure out how I would spend every day for the rest of my life and be happy to do that thing as much as possible and then create a reality around that. What do I, what do I get to do when I wake up in the morning? Mm -hmm. um, and including stuff like this, actually, you know, meeting people, sure. learning more, being able to share that with people and being able to write music. A sure. That for me is like kind of a perfect reality that I think would never get old, you know? I could maybe that sounds wrong, pretty great. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I guess what, what would, from your end, what would be the perfect reality that you get to live in perpetuity from, from your current perspective? 
it would definitely be more than one thing. Um, if I could spend a few days a week playing with people, um, whether that be as a producer or as a band member or whatever, performing every now and then, but not every day like I used to, you know, performing every now and then, and then maybe doing some engineering for folks on the side, you know, and still have time to watch soccer and play pool. That's the occasional perfect. motorcycle trip, you know? Um, but yeah, honestly, if I were from either from a production standpoint or, or a band standpoint, if I were collaborating on music at least a few days a week and then doing some engineering, that, the funniest thing to me about engineering is that it's the one place where I don't get uh, tired or frustrated, which I know sounds counterintuitive because it can be very frustrating. But if I'm working with an artist and I'm recording them or whatever, they don't quite nail it. My genuine response is, man, that was so close. Let's go again. You know what I mean? I, and, I, and I mean it on the 10th take too. You know what I mean? I'm still excited. Yeah. And I kind of stay that way in the studio. I love being in the studio more than anything. So if I could do that and answer your question, at least a couple of days a week, you know, and then engineer for people on the side too. I love, but just because I enjoy it. Something that yeah. kept me in film and has I, kept I do have to take motorcycle trips. Yes. So, anyway. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, something that's kept me in film is how diverse the content and the approach is. And like, there's never the same thing ever. Right. Especially the way we do it. Documentary style, travel to a new city or state, to a new building haul the gear in with a relatively similar setup to, you know, before, but it's always different. We're always moving stuff around. The stories sure. are always completely different. And I get to selfishly learn from the most expert people in the world about all kinds of different things all the time. Yeah, like metal additive stuff you were showing me. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but do you find yourself ever going back to something a little more formulaic? Um, in, in the different films you make, this is how I've done it a few times. So this is what I'm going to, I'm going to try to fit all of this new content into this series of boxes that feel comfortable. It's hard for me. Or, or are you that open on each? I feel like each I'm of that it. open. I could okay. be wrong. I, I'm really, I record, I mean, just like this, mm -hmm. a tremendous amount of content every time with every single person. And I want it to be as every conversation to be long enough that we can get comfortable enough to have real moments, you know, um, that's, you can't be impatient with that. It's kind of like you're saying with the engineering <laughs> stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm legitimately and in, legitimately interested in why you have the motorcycle that you have and what you loved about it mm -hmm. and what your favorite thing about pool is. And, sure. I, and, and I, I can go into each one of those with legitimate interest and sure. curiosity. Um, I'm a forever learner with enough, um, you know, uh, interest in so many things that it's like that everything just fills in more puzzle pieces to this thing that we call life. For sure. A friend that built the desk, um, that we have in there, um, is one of the most talented people that I know. Cullen Purser is his name and he is, um, a jack of all trades. I mean, he wears shoes that he makes for himself and he, whoa, yes. I mean, he is incredibly talented. He does 
he's one of the yeah excellent musician excellent singer I, I mean just all around everything but something that he and i have talked about often is that like every little skill set that you get from anything else starts to fill in and create more of a structure that you can build the next skill set upon so mm -hmm. Video and film is different than audio, but there's so much about it that's similar. So sure. learning new things about audio for me right now, um, it attaches so much to what the fundamentals of the film side were. And if I can say compositional skills too, because you, I was watching, you showed me those videos mm -hmm. and there were times where uh, the music would intensify and the cuts were getting quicker toward the end of the film. And then you have this big... Um, almost the Beatles piano note at Day in the Life, you know, boom, and the, the logo and composition. You know, you're using the same types of things we would use to uh, move the listener one direction or the other. Yeah. Visually. Right. Because I was watching the, you know, the cuts got shorter and shorter and shorter as we're crescendoing. Right. You know I mean? That makes an impact. Right. You know, so. Yeah, and on that yeah. one in particular, uh, Chase was so good at, at, at continuing to push the... Uh, the tension and the release and the tension and the release into the song um, that matters for story for what's being said I mean it's like the explosion sure. in that other film right like mm -hmm. it's there's a, a big slow motion explosion but it comes a minute and a half into the film right you know like we could have started off with that but then it's boring you know the rest right. of the thing is boring yeah it's all downhill from there yeah exactly yeah. blow some more shit up exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly it's mean, yeah. funny no I can see that that carryover theory yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, just to make but sure. But I really don't have any interest in making my own shoes. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, like, highly curious about it. I roast my own <laughs> coffee. Uh, I do because it is more convenient and it's cheaper and I like the flavor and it's consistent. And when I need coffee, there you go. I can roast it in the same amount of time it takes to drive to the grocery store to get some more. So there you go. As long as I have enough of the green beans. But they store a lot longer. That's true. Um and like, you know, these tables I made uh, cool. and the light, like all, you know, all this stuff, like, um, a lot of this stuff around here, um, Cullen taught me how, and I'm, I love it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I love woodworking. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. I just don't have a shop now. Right. You know, yeah. I will. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's, you know, it's like, it's easy to overbuild. So mm -hmm. enough of the right tools is all you need. So, right. Yeah. Just to make sure that we have it, how, how can people find you? Facebook, Instagram is Matthew Fox Music. Cool. All right. I mean, I do put music stuff on there, but I'll put the motorcycle yeah. trips and That's I'll great. put a great meal and I'll put... Because you're a real human and we should yeah. care about that. Yeah. And, and honestly, I don't know that I care about it enough to post about it really, mm -hmm. but I was told pretty in no uncertain terms before moving down here by musicians I know and respect down here, if you don't have an Insta, you don't get the gig. I have uh, been encouraged, and my arm still hurts from it being twisted hard enough by friends and people. I um, do not like the culture of self-marketing. Yep. It's painful. So the interesting thing about that, that I, I, I agree with you and I mm -hmm. struggle with it, it's like I don't want the attention. I don't want to have to follow the likes and the comments and the replies. But also I've realized how absent I've been from people's lives that care about me because they don't see the things that I'm doing that they can't objectively can't be part of. Mm. So it's like, I think it has a lot to do with intent. Like what's your intention with how you're 
sharing it. And if, right. are you looking for the dopamine hit of every time somebody hits like and comment, reply and share and, you know. That's the trap I'm afraid to fall into. It's a scary, real trap. Yeah. And I think it's- But I mean, that's why I post non-music things too. Yeah. You know, because that's not all I do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I like doing lots of fun stuff. Yeah. You know, I like going for a walk with my wife, taking the dog out. That's really fun, but I don't need to put that on Instagram. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but you could because it's part of what makes your reality who you are mm -hmm. and the presence that somebody feels with you sitting in a room while they're working with you as an engineer. The fact that you went on a walk and a motorcycle ride matters. Sure. I think that's Somebody's... fair. I tend to vilify it. Uh, I do too. Like, uh, with a kind of a uh, quick trigger finger, huh. I tend to vilify it pretty quickly. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I'm not arguing. Which is I'm not arguing with you. Um, not that I wouldn't argue with you about it, but right. the I, I I think I've been trying to ask myself as well, like, what's the healthy balance with it? Because I think showing up and saying hi, here's who I am, matters. Right. But I also think that there's a way that it becomes a drug that you're feeding not only to yourself, but to other people to continue <laughs> to make that the thing that's more interesting than this. Right. That's actually, we were talking about Jason Isbell and songwriting earlier. In one of his songs, um, there's a line that says, and fight the urge to live inside my telephone. You know, <laughs> it's like, yes, I know. Yep. I find myself using it, looking at it way too often. Right. And you're like, why did I just pick this up? Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, and I think that the actively fighting that is the only way to be able to, no, that's so, sorry, that's quite loud. Um, yeah, I think, I think actively fighting that is the only way to, to win that battle. Right. It's built to bring you towards it as the timer went off. It's perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, I, I will intentionally sometimes now not take it when we go for a walk. Which normally I wouldn't close the door without it in my pocket. Yep. And it feels weird and it shouldn't feel weird. It shouldn't feel weird. But it does. I used to wear an Apple watch and I loved it. It was really good for so many things about what I was doing, but I realized how I felt perpetually dis or perpetually connected in a way that made me feel like I was trapped. Mm -hmm. um, so I bought this old Timex Iron Man, just like I had when I was a kid, right? Like yes. I was like, yes, I want that. It's my first smartwatch because it has two alarms or whatever. And uh, and I kept getting notifications on my Timex for like three weeks. <laughs> Not really, right? Like just, but in my brain, I would you I would check it, feel it, yeah. Well, but I'd feel it. Oh too. yeah, yeah. The failing, like the ghost stuff. Yeah. stuff. And I'm yeah. like, no. This is terrible. So yeah. now I can leave my phone and literally not be reachable for periods of time, you know, of time, even if it's 15 minutes at a time or 30 minutes. And I love it. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, yeah, I love yeah. it. I mean, my phone is constantly, I do not disturb because I don't want, I don't want that, uh, that incoming thing to take me out of my focused space. Sure. So what kind of work are you looking most forward to doing sooner than later? Collaborating on music more than engineering or telling people or producing or what, you know, I mean, just collaborating, you know, and, and if that is in a production context, great. If it's just finding some other musicians with whom I feel comfortable and we speak the same language as it were, I'm in. 
that's what I'm looking forward to the most, even if it doesn't pay yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, like if I get together with some musicians I like, that'll, that'll feed me more than, actually real food feeds me pretty well too. So pay is good, but yeah, just playing with folks, trying to make the best piece of music I can, you know, um, that would be the first order of business. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And then, uh, one more time where, where can they, Oh, Instagram is, um, Matthew Fox music. That's probably the best Facebook, uh, just my name or Matthew Fox music. Um, I do have one for my studio too, but it's not, there's nothing on it yet. Um, perfect. There you go. That's awesome. Cool. Thank you. Hey, dude, thank you so much. I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate it. Absolutely. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing with other people you think might gain value from it. My name is Seth Schaefer. This is Behind the Act.